Welcome to Foothills Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Doug Peak. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit foothills.org. Well, hello everyone and welcome to Foothills Christian Church, just awesome to see you this day here on our main campus. So great to have you and all of you doing church at home. It's so great to have you. And one of the things about Foothills that I like to iterate on a regular basis is that we are unlike many churches that you've been to before. And the reason why is because of a core value that we've held for over 24 years. And it's simply this. And that is, our goal is to coach you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. We want you to be connected to him. And so we are not telling you what you have to believe or what you should think. What we're hoping to do is to introduce you to Jesus so that you connect to him. And then in the process, what happens is you learn to begin to think and discern and grow to maturity yourself. So we're very excited about this because in today's world, that core value is becoming more critical than ever before. And so this series is particularly about how to grow strong in the face of adversity. And our key verse is a quote from Jesus in John chapter 16, verse 33. And what it says is, these things I have shared or spoken to you so that you might have peace in me. In this world, you will have great tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. Now, the more you read that verse and the more you focus on that verse, you start to see that he said these words in a very interesting way and the more real they become to you. So we kind of talked about, well, what's Jesus' plan? And his plan is, is that we learn how to grow strong in the face of adversity. That's how we overcome. We have to take courage. And then last week we talked about you must choose courage. Courage just doesn't happen naturally. You have to choose it. So today we're going to talk about uh, what's the next step. So here's our question for today. And that is, once you choose courage, where does the strength come from to follow through on your choice? And so in a nutshell, the answer to that question is thunder. Now, if you're doing church at home right now and you don't live right by our address, you can't hear the thunder. But take my word, it's booming out there. It almost feels like 25 years ago when I was in Kansas. Now, the answer to the question, though, is character. Now, I would just like to take a moment for all of you here on campus and all of you doing church at home or if you're watching in the future, go download the phone app. And then at the bottom of the phone app, it'll say Sunday. You click on Sundays, and then you can get the message notes from today's message. It has all the quotes, all the passages of Scripture, and all the fill-in-the-blanks. It also has the discussion questions at the end. So please avail yourself of that tool. So why is character the thing that gives you strength to act on your Courage. Well, the reason why is because character is the reservoir where strength emanates from. Character is the reservoir where strength emanates from. So let me ask you a question real quick. Where would you like to be more courageous in your own life? Let's say I'm doing good here, you're doing good here, you're doing good there. 
Where would you like to be a little bit more courageous or feel you need more strength in your life right now? Would you take a second and kind of drop a comment uh, in on Facebook or YouTube or wherever? Just drop a comment to let us know because it's important to me to, f- to have a sense, oh, this is what you guys are kind of uh, focused on and thinking about growing in your faith. Now, Let's get a handle on what exactly character is and why it's so important, okay? So I have some quotes from some really, really famous people for you. And the first one is Albert Einstein, and this is what it says, okay? Uh, Most people say that it is the intellect which makes a great scientist. They are wrong. It is character. This is Theodore Roosevelt, 26th president of the United States. And he says, character in the long run is the decisive factor in the life of an individual and of nations alike. Booker T. Washington, a civil rights activist and educator, says this. It's character, not circumstance, that makes the person. And then finally, Ralph Waldo Emerson uh, wrote this. He said, what lies behind us and what lies before us are matters, small matters, compared to what lies within us. Now you can see how uh, character is the reservoir of strength. It is the thing that helps us grow and helps us act on our courage and how our courage comes. So what I'd like to do is get a working definition of courage and I would like to get a sense of, of what we're actually talking about. Now, I want to use the simplest one, and that is character is doing the right thing regardless of the consequences. So that's kind of the most basic definition of courage that people use all the time. So let's us use that, and that is doing the right thing regardless of the consequences. Now, if you're hearing anything, you're starting to hear the hail come. So that's just the Lord emphasizing my points. Just saying. No. (laughs) So what I'd like to talk about now is what are the practical ways in which Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit within us, strengthens our character? How does that happen? Well, we're going to go to a passage of scripture today that we're going to study. It's Hebrews chapter 12. And in Hebrews chapter 12, the author of Hebrews writes some very powerful words. And people who do what I do tend not to preach on these words very often. And when we read them, you'll see why. But I'd like to give you a little context so that you can understand why he wrote these words, okay? Now, you need to understand the historical context. Back in when these words were written, there was a gigantic thunderstorm like you wouldn't believe. Sorry, if you're at church at home, you're not hearing any of this, but it's crazy in here right now. I mean, it's really crazy. But what happened historically is this, is after Jesus Christ rose from the dead, the church exploded in Jerusalem. And then about eight years later, there was a great persecution. So the church left Jerusalem. And when that happened, the political climate in the city changed. And all these Jewish zealotry groups cropped up and they started to fight and there were riots. What happened is Vespasian, the uh, Roman emperor, had had enough. He says, I'm done. So he sends his son Titus to go and basically destroy Jerusalem. 
and it takes him about three years to get there. And then when he gets there, he besieges the city of Jerusalem and he destroys it. He tears all the walls down and then he goes to the temple and he destroys the temple. And his father, Vespasian, said, I don't want one stone left on top of another. So during this period, this three-year period leading up to a siege, everything in Jerusalem just got worse and worse and worse and worse. It got really, really bad. So there were a group of people, and this group of people who were Christians said, you know why this is happening to us? It's because we believed in Jesus. Maybe if we go back to the old covenant, God will come and save us. And so the author of Hebrews writes them and says, yeah, that's just not going to work. And the reason why is because Jesus is the fulfillment of every prophecy in the Old Testament. And therefore, you can't go back. You have to go forward. And so after he teaches them, he gets to the end in the second to the last chapter, and he writes these words. Now listen to how pointed and direct they are, beginning with verse 4. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. You have completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Verse 7 says, Endure hardship and discipline. Boy, that's hard. Endure hardship. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father. If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. Not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? He finally finishes off by saying, they disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. Now listen to these words. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. It is what? Painful. It is really, really painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Notice how he connects those two. He says, righteousness and peace are what it happens when we are trained by discipline. And that's what your soul longs for. Your soul longs for peace. Your soul thirsts for righteousness, a sense that I am right, that I am validated by God and right with God. He goes on to say this, verse 12. Therefore, this, I mean, he really lays it down here. Notice what he says in verse uh, 12. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. The modern day translation of the Greek is this, buck up buttercup, all right? That's what it's saying. And so he's saying some really strong words, 
powerful words. And what I want to do is I would like to go through them one at a time so that you kind of show you the principles of how Jesus grows our character. Okay. And the first thing you need to understand is that in order to go strong and have stronger character is that character is made up of something. And you know what your character is made up of? It's made up of convictions. Notice in verse five, he says, have you completely forgotten? And then he goes on and he reminds them of their convictions. You see, the reason why our character doesn't grow is because we try to live without convictions. And what you're seeing today in our world is you're seeing people uh, behaving in these giant swings. You're seeing all of this division. You're seeing all of the, the breakdown of society. Why are you seeing that? It's because we are what C.S. Lewis calls, we have become people without chests. And his point was, is that you need to be a man with a chest. And that is, you need to have convictions and know what those convictions are. Are. A conviction is an unchanging core value. It determines. It determines how you behave when nobody is looking, when no one sees your behavior or would even know. You choose. You choose to live that way because it's your conviction. It is your code of honor. You, it's, it's you say, I, this is what I know to be me and this is how I will live. And you can't do the right thing. You can't have character and do the right thing if you have no idea what the right thing is. And this is why convictions are so important. And so you put the emphasis on, I'm going to do the right thing. I have my conviction regardless of the consequences. A while back, I, uh, I read a book. My son read it and gave it to me. And it was a biography on Marcus Luttrell. And he was a SEAL. And he was a part of a four-man team that was sent into the mountains of Afghanistan to do surveillance and reconnaissance on a really bad, bad guy. A guy who was uh, a general in the Taliban army. He'd killed a lot of people. He'd raged war on Americans, was killing Americans. Getting this guy would save a lot of American soldiers on the field. So they embedded them. They got up on the mountain. They were surveilling this village where he was supposed to come in. And during their time where they were hidden, what happened is a grandfather and his grandson brought a, a herd of sheep and goats through their hidden thing, and the goats and the sheep revealed their location. So they got up and they said, look, our mission is to find this guy so that the uh, good guys can come in and take this guy or kill this guy. It's going to save lots of American lives. But in order to do that, we have to have time. And so probably what we ought to do to, to fulfill the mission is we should kill this guy. We're going to kill the grandpa and kill the son. That's what, that's what we probably should do to achieve the mission. But the head of the SEAL team said, is that what SEALs do? Is that what we do? And they said, no, that's not what we do. We don't kill innocent people. We just don't do that. And so they let him go, knowing full well what would happen. And that is that grandpa and his son ran down the mountain into the village and said, there's a group of, of uh, American soldiers right up there. And so they, they mobilized over 150 Taliban. They marched up the mountainside and they hunted them down. And the result was as three of those four seals died in the line of duty. Now, that is a bad outcome. But they refused they refuse to violate their code of honor. 
regardless of the consequences. That's really important to understand, is that if you want the strength to act on your courage, then you better work on your convictions. You better understand your convictions, embrace your convictions. Always start with those first instead of the outcome second. Now, the next one is this, is that convictions will develop. You'll discover them when challenges happen. Look at verse seven. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. You know, this is a really important thing, I think, to understand. And that is, is that some people will interpret this verse like this. And that is, say, well, God is doing these bad things to me to teach me a lesson. Well, I hate to tell you this, but that is not an accurate biblical interpretation. God does not cause evil to teach you a lesson. The truth of the matter is, is that you live in a world filled with evil. It's broken. God did not cause it or create it. Human beings did that by our own free will. This is why Jesus said, if you're going to pray, pray this way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on what? Earth Earth, as it already is where? In heaven. So it's already there, but because we have free will, we brought evil into this world and we are suffering the consequences of that. So we're going to suffer evil, okay? And we're not delivered from that until we pass on into glory or eternity. So the, the question then becomes if God is not the cause of it and it came from the evil of man's free will, or that's where it was birthed, and I'm suffering it, I have two choices. The first choice is I could say, oh, God is punishing me, which is not true. Or you can say, even though evil is in this world, even though these things are bad and it's painful and I don't want it in my life, I'm going to view it as discipline because I am a child of God. And so if the father can redeem this painful hardship and I can learn and grow in the process. And so what that does is that gives your suffering meaning. Convictions develop when challenges happen. You don't understand your convictions. You don't embrace your convictions. You don't strengthen your convictions when everything's great, right? When everything's just cruising along smooth, you're going, oh man, hashtag blessed. Everything's awesome. It's when things get tough where you realize, what are my convictions? You know, uh, I have parented, I, I, I say two and a half children. That's not because my third is a half a person. It's because he's not fully done cooking yet, right? So uh, launching the two older ones, you know, 25 and 24, uh, they're kind of heading out the door. So that's been good. And uh, though you hope that your influence on them uh, never ceases, uh, I like to say that their mother has done a good job and I didn't mess it up too bad. Um, But uh, my third one is kind of halfway. He's going to be 15 this week. So... Uh, I have to say that one of the things is when I was raising my children, there were a number of things I had to navigate. But the thing that really was the most difficult to navigate for me was seeing the potential of my child to do something and they perceive themselves as incapable of doing it. That is really hard as a parent. Because what do you do? It's like, I know you can do this. Would you please do that? You know, go, go. So you're relegated to the sideline and you're just thinking, man, would you just do it? Would you? They're like, no, I can't, I can't, I can't. But you know, because if you step in and do it, what happens? Well, you just reinforce their belief that they can't and they need you to do everything. But on the other side of it, 
is if you just ignore it, then they'll never push themselves or fulfill their potential. This is why, have you ever seen dads, you know, trying to get their little tiny boy to jump off the side of the pool into the pool? Have you ever seen that? You know, how does that situation always go? It always goes like this. Hey, son, you can do it, man. I believe in you and you're awesome. Jump to daddy. No, come on, you can do it. I believe in you. You know, and it's really nice and sweet, right? And, you know, people are videotaping it and put it on Facebook and that's how it should happen. And of course, they never film the whole thing because pretty soon it goes to this point. It says, jump off of that thing right now. I'm going to spank you. Jump right now. I mean it. Doesn't all dads do that? And then what does that boy do? He jumps, <laughs> right? And then when dad catches him, he goes, they, what do they do? They celebrate. And dad says, I knew you could do it. I knew you could do it. Now, why does that happen? Because it's so frustrating as a parent to see the capability of your kids, knowing what they can do, and then having them not see it in themselves. That's why challenges in families are so important. And that's why challenges are important for your kids when they're young. Because what you want to do is you want them to discover this truth. And that is, I will learn my convictions when challenges happen. And one of the convictions that you need to grow strong is this, is that I can navigate this, I can learn from it, and I can be stronger because of it. Convictions are always discovered in challenges. Never happens. Now, number three is this. Convictions are sharpened when God disciplines us. Verse 11 and 12. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. It's painful. Anything you're going through hurts. It's it's turmoil. It creates anxiety. It creates pain in your life. And sometimes you think, I just want the pain to stop. But later on, however, it produces a what? Harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Everybody goes through difficulties. Everybody has suffering. Everybody has tribulations. You get to choose whether or not you'll be trained by it. And if you choose to be trained by it, guess what? You will reap something. You will reap a harvest of righteousness and you will reap a harvestness of peace. Why? Because the Lord does what? Disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Discipline is training Okay, you're training yourself for something. What, what are you training yourself for? Whenever you find yourself in a real difficult time, in a tremendous adversity or challenge, if you could just stop for a moment and ask yourself, what can I learn in this? What can I train myself in this? And that is, it could be as simple as, I know what my convictions are, I refuse to give them up. I want good character, not bad. Now let's move on because the next way in which Jesus really grows our character in the midst of adversity is this. Convictions mature with teaching and accountability. Look at the whole passage. You know, the whole passage here is that 
uh, teaching and accountability are woven into it. The writer is saying over and over again, don't think this way, you need to think that way. Don't do this, do that. Don't have this attitude, have that attitude. So what he's doing is he's teaching, right? And that teaching is critically important to growing your character. In 1 Timothy 1.5, Paul tells Timothy, the goal of our instruction, the goal of our teaching is love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. So make sure you pick the right teachers. Make sure you pick the people whose goal is not to manipulate you, to make you angry, to make you feel like a victim, but to let you experience love from a pure heart so that you can have a good or clear conscience and that your faith will grow in a sincere manner. That's how you sharpen your character, is you follow really good spiritual coaches who wanna speak into your life. The second way is this, is you are involved in community. Notice the word accountability. Is that it's not until you're a team that you can actually hold each other up to your convictions. That SEAL team got together and they debated. And what they did is by their debate, they started off with, well, we should probably kill these guys and move on and no one will know the difference. Two, we're not gonna violate our convictions. Isn't that awesome how accountability in a community helped them remember and stay focused on what was most important? I don't know how you can grow your character apart from community. When when people will say with me, it's like, oh yeah, people want to go to church or people want to be in community. That's awesome. That's just not my bailiwick. What I hear is like, okay, so you're saying you just don't want to grow. You don't want to have any advancement in your faith. You want your faith to be weak, um, especially when you need it the most, because I don't know of any other way to grow strong character apart from being in community. So that's why Jesus uses it to grow us. Now, number five, the last principle is this, and that is convictions are always tested in battle. Notice what he says in verse four. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Now, what is he saying? Well, what he's saying is that when you, uh, when you struggle against something and you put everything in it, you don't give up until you win. That's what he's saying. And so in your struggle against sin, well, what sin is he talking about? Well, he's probably talking about personal sin, but really what he's also talking about is the flawed teachings and beliefs of people who are wanting to reject Christ and go back to the old covenant. So he's talking about the flawed thinking that is prevalent out there and the need to struggle against it. Now, the word struggle comes from the Greek word antikathestomy. Okay, now that's what happens when you start sneezing and you have allergies. You say, can someone please pass me the antikathestomy? <laughs> Somebody got that joke. So, please encourage me a little bit, you know. No. So it's a bad joke. Yeah, we got a little bit of applause. Okay, it's terrible, I know, but it was fun, um, at least for me. What it basically means is this, is it was a word to describe a battle commander who's sitting up on a hill, and he sees the opposing armor make a move, right? Moves the troops, maybe for a flanking uh, maneuver. And so what he does is he signals to his troops to go and uh, asking his soldiers to set up a line to oppose their advance. 
So what this word basically means is it, it was something that the people reading this would really get a hold of. And that is, is that he's not talking about, oh, your own personal effort. He's talking about your strategic effort. What are you doing to oppose the things that are stopping you from growing your character? And what is the enemy of character? You know what it is? It's sin. Sin is the enemy of doing what is right. So struggle against it. You may never have victory over it, but don't give up the struggle. Struggle against the failures that hold you back. Struggle against what is wrong out there, the the false beliefs and the false things that that people are following after. Struggle against your desire to reject the shaping and discipline of the Lord. Struggle against all those things because you are in a battle and the battle that you're in is fighting for the wholeness of your soul. And when you're, you're fighting that battle, it's a battle of life. And when you fight that battle, that's when your convictions become tested. They become refined and sharpened. And you will find how powerful they are. Everybody suffers through all of these things, but ultimately God is fighting for you. So fight along with him. Let's see a a story of a woman who discovered this after a long and windy journey. Let's listen to this story. Wow, each and every one of you has a story. Christine told her story, and what I hear when she tells her story is that, number one, is that God was constantly calling her back. She ran and ran and ran, but she never found peace in her soul until she took that step of courage and came fully to Jesus. That's what F.H. Strong is all about. It's that we found our strength in him. I want you to be courageous and to find the strength to be courageous. And that comes by seeing God working on your character. So I encourage you that God's love for you is never ending and it's never ceasing. And he is always calling you. Now let's let Jesse close us out. Thank you for listening to this Sermon of the Week. Video footage of this sermon and others can be found on foothills.org.